0: Hello, I'm Kerry Eustace. You're listening to Careers Talk. This week, we'll be asking what can job seekers learn from the world of marketing? Guardian Jobs marketing guru Sophie Ralph will be joining us to explain how a knowledge of branding, strategy and target markets can revolutionise your job hunt. Plus, we'll be talking about possibly the best job application ever and Dear Julian explains how to tackle the impossible, forbidden and endlessly awkward subject of salary. But first, for all those of you who've filled in hundreds of application forms to try and secure your first role, you'll either find our first guest a bit sickening or downright inspiring. Our resident graduate this week is Kyle Clark, a business management grad from Newcastle University who has taken a novel approach to job seeking. He is just sitting back and letting the offers come to him. Um, hello, Kyle. Hi. Thanks for coming in. Um, so you've set up this eBay-style website, haven't you? Um, tell us a bit how it works and where you got the idea from.
1: Um, well, the website itself, is um, it came from me graduating from university and needing to find a job. Uh, I started the, the normal process, spent a long time on my CV, and then uh, started applying for jobs and realized a lot of these uh, application forms don't even ask for a CV. So I set up uh, EmployKyle.com to uh, promote me to businesses uh, with the premise that I would stand out from a crowd where it's very hard to apply for jobs at the minute, especially with the bigger companies when you're applying to machines and you have to have your keywords in, you have to uh, represent yourself in a way which may be isn't true just so you get through to the next round um, and I thought it'd be a novel approach maybe to turn the the, uh, the process upside down and try and get employers to come to me. It might not work, it might work, not, it might work but we'll see what happens.
0: So how does the site work? I mean what have you done to sort of attract employers and how do they bid? Tell us a bit about that.
1: Um, so the site is basically just an introduction to me, uh, my CV, a quick CV and then you can download my full CV and if you like me I prompt Uh, employers to call me uh, arrange an interview um, or just talk to me and see if they like me and then hopefully they will and they'll put a bid on on me to work for them and in 30 days I'll look at all the bids and go for the best one not necessarily the highest paid but the the best job that I think is for me.
0: Yeah the one that suits you best so uh, how how well have uh, employers responded so far what sort of bids have you had?
1: Uh, I've had uh, a lot of dodgy bids. Dodgy bids. <laughs> uh, probably shouldn't say it on this, but uh, it's not legal in this country. Some of the things I've been asked. Uh, I've had one real bid um, from Next, which is I think is great because I wasn't expecting big companies to go for this kind of process. They've got their structures and their processes, so I just thought no chance. Um, I was expecting SMEs and small entrepreneurs to mm. to hopefully employ me. So Next doing it. Hopefully, big companies will follow suit. Um, But I've had a lot of um, interest, I've had a lot of emails, I've had a lot of people talking to me A lot of people in the recruitment business supporting me and promoting me I've had an interest in I think 42 countries now Um, A lot in the UK, a lot in America Um, I've been picked up by a Brazilian newspaper So um, (laughs) I've had a lot of Brazilian interest I wouldn't mind moving there Um, So I've had a lot of interest but one offer
0: That's incredible that big companies are responding to these more innovative and off-the-wall approaches. That's really good news. Um, So what sort of work are you sort of hoping to get? What would really tempt you to accept a bid?
1: Well, see, a lot of people ask this question, but I don't want to close any doors at the minute. I'm open. Uh, I'm young. I'm willing to try anything. Uh, I think I'm good at a lot of things. I'm like a big sponge. I'm ready to learn. Um, So the way I see it is why say, at age 23 I want to be this or I want to be that when I could explore my options more fully and you know uh, hopefully the employer will see me see me for my skills and see yeah I've got a job for you you could do this and you'd be very good at that rather than me saying I want to be in advertising or I want to be you know a dog cleaner or something Sorry, Obviously. <laughs> cut, <laughs> cut that one out. Uh,
0: right, we're on this podcast now. You've got a great platform. And I know you've already got your own website, but why don't you pitch yourself to some more employers out there and sort of widen your opportunities a bit further?
1: Well, this is a hard challenge. <laughs> <laughs> you can do it. So if I were to pitch myself to employers right now, as quick as possible, uh, I would say, as well as the usual, a good degree, a good background, you know, sporting, social-wise, all very, you know, very normal, I would say but what I feel I maybe go above the average graduate would uh, be in my experience, my initiative, my ambition and my desire to continue learning. Experience-wise, I've been working since about 11. No, 11, uh, I've had <laughs> more jobs than I can remember and in more industries than I than I know and I've loved it and I've met a lot of great people and I've worked with a lot of people. I've even managed to manage a lot of great people. Um, initiative-wise, i've uh, won kind of national awards became third in an entrepreneur of the Year competition. I won the l'oreal brandstorm u k round and got to the international finals and uh, lost out to the winner ambition wise i'm very hungry i'm very very desperate to succeed um a lot of people don't have that hunger, and I feel that mine's oozing out of me and I want to continue <laughs> that and lastly I want to continue learning I don't want to go into a job and think I know best I know everything you know I, I want to learn how to do things and and do them well and to the best of my ability and to really please my employers so if you're out there employ me
0: <laughs> yeah well, we, we, we'll put a link on our website to yours and um, I'm sure we can talk to you more throughout the show about your campaign thanks Kyle thank you time for some news now Harriet Minter and Ali White are as always here in the studio to share their favourite stories of the week. Hello both. Hello. Right what's kicking us off Ali your story Harriet's story sorry.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Sorry. (laughs) Yes um, I'm starting us off this week with a survey from recruiter McGregor Boyle about how graduates wanting to go into financial services need to be very careful about their credit history and basically what they're saying is that actually particularly if you want to do anything that's sort of FSA regulated, your recruiters are going to be going way back and checking absolutely every detail and this could include a credit check. So you could find yourself losing out on the job of your dreams because you missed a payment on your credit card. So they're just warning all graduates and job hunters to be really, really careful, not just about their CV and how they present themselves at interview, but also about things that you think are actually completely personal but can in fact be found online. And I think this relates on a broader scale, just outside of the FSA as well, but particularly if you wanted a job in law, for example, and you once got arrested by the police for drunkenly stealing a traffic cone as a student. You need to be aware of that and how that's going to affect your career prospects. Um, If you want to be a teacher, and again, you've got maybe some sort of criminal conviction on your record, or if you've had some problems possibly with depression, things like that, you need to look at how those things could come up and could be found by recruiters. So it's just about being a bit careful of things that you think are completely personal but actually can can hit on your job choices.
3: Okay. Um Ali, what's your story? Okay, we're going to talk about the um financial services as well. But this is um graduates are turning their back on regional vacancies as they favour London and the south east. And it's PricewaterhouseCoopers Coopers who have reported um seventeen thousand applications for fourteen hundred vacancies across the graduate intern and student entry schemes. So no lack of interest there. But what they've actually seen is applications to London and the South East dominate these applications, you know, representing 70% of the interest, despite only really representing half of the available vacancies. Whereas it seems like graduates are turning their back on regional HQs in Birmingham, Manchester, Leeds and Newcastle, where it's flat or in some case small decline in applications. And actually, for people that are still looking for a job, there is a handful of vacancies still available for these jobs starting in October. And, um, you know, the companies say some of their biggest... um, Teams and clients run from these regional HQs. So a bit, you know, baffled why people aren't applying to them. And it's interesting because we did run a recent Q&A on accountancy and one of the um, experts came along and said, the big four firms offer the same career opportunities regardless of whether you're in a regional or London HQ, you know, you might get a broader range of industries to work with, you know, more exposure to those clients. And, you know, think well about your lifestyle, you know, it's not cheap to live in London and you might find, especially if you're committing to a three-year training contract, that you might prefer to be, you know, outside of the capital and in a, you know, fun, vibrant city like New Castle. Mm. I think that's really true. Um, two things. One is um also
2: in that and A. I think one of our experts said that you can actually sometimes move up the scale quicker mm-hmm. if you're outside of London but simply because you'll have more client contact, you'll have more direct experience. Yeah. So you've got um better things to put on your CV. And the other thing is I do think you have to be so aware of how your salary matches how expensive yeah. living in London is. <laughs> Certain. And if um I know most companies often are sort of London waiting but even if you're on a fairly similar salary and you're in Newcastle or Leeds or Manchester, your money can go an awful lot further. Okay, my story
0: is about what potentially or debatably could be the best job application ever. And um, this is about a guy called Graham Anthony who's created a video CV on YouTube and people on Twitter and YouTube and blogs are all talking about him and uh, make your own mind up, we're gonna hear a little clip now.
4: Hi. I'm Graham Anthony and welcome to my Curriculum VTI interactive video. I've produced this video because, let's face it, communications have changed. There's nothing wrong with a good old-fashioned pen and paper, but it's evolved into something far more exciting and accessible. On top of that, I'm a PR practitioner and a good one at that. Spinning words and narrative is what I'm trained to do. This is me in my natural habitat. 100% transparent, you might not warm to what you see initially, but on the other hand, I can be whatever you need me to be. To find out more, click on one of the links.
0: So he's out of work, and what he's done is um, put together a video CV using YouTube annotations, which, if anybody's unfamiliar, is a sort of a programme on YouTube where rather than just uh, posting up a standard video, you can add in links so you have different chapters or you can link to an external video so you've almost got videos within a video and you can it's just okay. like a more advanced uh, piece of youtube technology and he's done that to create this video and it's it's got all the standard cb sections you know it's got a bit about him it's got um his skills it's got a portfolio um, but he tackles it in a really sort of creative and innovative way. So, if, say for example, in the portfolio section, he sort of discusses the brands that he's worked for, but he presents it visually. So he does sort of picture ma- mashups of the companies. So, Fernando, he's got a picture of uh, like an old lady asleep, so she's like a Nando thing, which <laughs> oh. I thought was
3: <laughs> <funny>. <laughs>
0: And then, um, and then on the uh, skills section, he's got you know uh, the Subterranean Homesick Blues video by Bob Dylan, yeah. where he, the really famous one where he holds up placards and he. Done that for his skills. So he presents his skills on these placards, and it's a bit longer a section, but you know it works really well. Um, and he that video, just the intro section, has had eighteen thousand, nearly wow. nineteen thousand views on YouTube. I mean, who among us could say that that many people have looked at our CVs? Mm-hmm. Definitely right. well, people, no, ten, okay. maybe. have Looked at, no. right. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's really high. So what he did, he sent this to um, a PR agency called We Are Social. And they sort of uh, communicate with brands, and they sort of tell them how they can have better conversations on social media and various other pr companies and they were so impressed and he, he, the ones that couldn't offer him a job have posted it on their company uh, blogs have uh, tweeted about it say look we can't give him a job can you so sort of endorsing him and like lots of people are talking about this guy there was a, a blog on pr week by um paul armstrong and he's sort of badged up as one of the most influential people in sort of pr mm-hmm. and he said if you can't create if you want to work in pr and you can't create a video like that using youtube um annotations you can't show that creative you can't communicate that way basically you're screwed and you won't be able to get a job in pr because like uh, what kyle did with his website mm. he's managed to show that he's got the skills he can use the technology and, and everybody's really impressed wow so
2: i'm a fan what about yeah, you guys i yeah. think you have to be a bit careful though because um this guy i've seen the video and it is really good he does slightly annoy me a little bit which makes me wonder whether i would hire him but um, so <laughs> <laughs> if i was ever in that position of power i don't think it would be um there was a guy about four or five years ago who did something similar and he I think just finished an MBA at Harvard I mean it's a very very big impressive school and um, he wanted really wanted to work in investment banking hadn't been able to get a job so posted a video CV on YouTube about why all these investment banks I think specifically Goldman Sachs should hire him and unfortunately he was not one of life's natural charmers i think it would be fair to say um and yeah he got loads and loads of hits and it went around the world and it became this big viral sensation but for all the wrong reasons Mm. and so i think if you're going to do this that's great and it shows a lot of creativity Maybe run it past somebody with a very neutral head first. <laughs> so,
0: the Graham Anthony's uh, video CV definitely beats that one. So, he could oh, kind of so, yeah. be the best job application ever. I mean, if yeah. anybody thinks they can beat him, you know, yeah. get in touch with us. <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Sorry, yeah. Okay, everyone, what are your salary expectations? Don't be shy. According to Julian Lindley, Creative Director at Bower, knowing your value is worth its weight in payday gold.
4: So today we're going to tackle the thorny issue of first salaries. And this letter is from someone called Positivity. What a nice name. I have recently applied for a position and have been asked to state my salary expectations. I'm very keen to work within this company as it is one of my preferred sectors. While I'm very realistic regarding salary expectation, I do not want to state a salary that might not be in line with their expectations at the risk of not being invited to an interview. I'm open to negotiate a suitable salary. What would you suggest be the best preferred way of handling questions like these? First of all, I'd say and this comes naturally to me because I'm a journalist, but uh, I think it's something everyone should do. I would do some investigation. So I would ask around, I'd phone HR departments, I'd speak to other people that do that kind of job and find out the type of salary bracket you're talking about. Not only does this show, you know, you have a little bit of initiative, it means that actually you might want to rule this job out if the salary expectation doesn't fit in with where you want to actually be. Or it might be that you uh, perhaps have been thinking of underselling yourself, you know, which is one of the concerns that you pointed out, positivity in your letter. So uh, first of all, I'd do that. I'd make sure that you spoke to about five or six people so that you get a broad spectrum of sa- of salaries. And then I would put a broad range because they've asked you to state a salary range. So I would put from this much to this much. So let's say fifteen to twenty thousand pounds for example once you've decided on this salary bracket I think it could be a good idea to phone the HR department of the company that you're applying to work in and say to them this is the situation I've been asked to do this I want to know if this is a reasonable um, thing to ask for because then before you file your letter or your application you are going to get a sense of the reception that that figure is going to get. And if the HR department says, to be honest with you, that job doesn't fit into that salary bracket, well, you can alter it and you can change it. You know, don't be embarrassed about asking questions around money because let's be honest, we don't do our jobs just because we love them. We do them because we've got mortgages to pay, we've got rents to pay, we've got bills to pay. You know, we do it because we need the cash to fund our lives. So therefore you know, it's it's some, It's not something to be embarrassed about because it's kind of like the reason we're doing something. I think if the figure were ridiculously outside of what an employer had in mind, the chances are they would dismiss you because they'd either think, do you think a lot about yourself? <laughs> you know, that you, that you might actually be more trouble than you're worth. When you see someone has stated a really high salary, one of the first things that will go through an employer's head is, this person's going to be asking for more money all the time whereas if someone states a salary bracket that pretty much matches up with what they're looking for it sort of shows that they've got that they're at the right stage for that job because that's what their expectation is that's what the job salary is and therefore there's a fit there so another important thing i think to consider when you're applying for especially a first job is that you've got a very different perspective on it to the one that the employer will have. For you, you want to get a foot on the ladder, but obviously, like everyone else, you want to earn as much money as you possibly can. The perspective of an employer is that they're giving you an opportunity. So, therefore, if you uh, enter into their business you have more chance to grow and potentially earn more money than if you don't enter into their business of course you have to pay your bills you know I get it we've all been there however sometimes you may have to accept a job that is slightly less than what you would like to earn because the opportunity that that company is giving you is it has more potential than you'd have if you were earning a higher salary elsewhere so when I first started my career You know, gosh, like everyone, I really wasn't earning that much money. And I had friends that I'd been at university with who had gone into much higher paid jobs. But the room for growth in those other jobs was, I mean, there wasn't any, you know. If you're the manager of a restaurant, that's pretty much what you're going to earn. Whereas if you go into a career where there is some scale you can literally go all the way to the top if you want to, then it's worth accepting a smaller salary because there's more longevity in it. So money is a really sensitive issue, but I would say try not to be too precious about it.
0: That was Julian Lindy, so it's q and a time now. Ali has some advice as always, from the forum Frontline. line, and what discussion have you picked out this weekend? Um,
3: we had roots into banking uh, yesterday, and so uh, first of all, I picked out as you can probably guess, it's competition is pretty fierce out there at the moment. You'll be competing with thousands of students, which I think is always the case, but you'll still be you'll be competing with the people that are still trying to break in after failing to do so during during the downturn. So, unfortunately, a couple of our experts did point out it's fairly unlikely you're going to be able to gain a place on an investment banking graduate scheme with a 2-2 at the moment, particularly for a front office role. So, their advice, really, if you haven't got those top grades, is, you know, maybe target other divisions. Certain banks will accept two twos for roles in areas like technology or operations, as well as retail functions. You know, and some firms out there don't have specific grade criteria, but the competition is likely to be really fierce with those. But um, you know, people like um, Price Waterhouse Cooper have an inspired talent scheme apparently, which looks beyond academic qualifications and accepts qualifications with this two two degree. So you know, although most do want a two 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 one minimum, that is as well. You, there are other ways in, so don't be too put off. And then um, next up, you know, you think banking careers, I think finance, but apparently there are other graduate schemes that don't have to focus on these financial areas. So say you want to work in banking, there might be like a marketing program or um, RBS runs a marketing and innovation program, which sounds very interesting. And then even if you do want to break into the financial side, maybe consider something like private banking or wealth management. They are actually an easier route into banking than perhaps going straight for these investment banking type schemes, which I must say a lot of people were coming in to ask about. So I think that's quite a popular area and then last of all if you just want some more advice or you really want to sort of impress these employers use the um, open sessions at universities to kind of meet them face to face and they're apparently quite a good way to promote yourself and start getting you know that impression of yourself put across to the right people really and they can give you more specific than do the generic advice that you might be able to get on all the kind of yeah literature than all the websites and stuff And then last of all, you might be able to get a placement opportunity through your university and the kind of degree that you do. And although it might not lead to a permanent role straight away, it will give you the time to showcase yourself in the company that you want to work for.
0: Now, if you're sick of being told to spell check your CV and are looking for some new ways to find a job, it could be time to ditch the How to Write a Perfect CV guide and turn to Marketing Books. Our resident grad, Kyle, has gone some way to proving how clever PR and branding can catch the attention of employers in the press. So we've invited Sophie Ralph, marketing executive here at Guardian Jobs, into the studio to offer the rest of you some headline-grabbing ideas. Hello, Sophie. Hello. How are you doing? Good, thanks.
5: How are you? (laughs) I'm fine,
0: thanks. Um, So you've worked in marketing for around 10 years, and you've written a book about career management as well. What what did you make of Kyle's campaign?
5: Oh, I just loved it. I really did. It's out there. It's... um It's very different. He's, um, at the same time, he's heavy on branding, which is really important um, because I think in today's jobs market, it's, it's very, very important to have standout and be memorable. But he's used fantastic shortcuts to kind of brand himself. So it was even on his website, there were little keys where you could look at what he was like in terms of his social life what he was like as a business person. He's created clear distinctions uh, between uh, what he's like to work with and the other things about his character and his personality that make him a really good hire. Um, I thought also the uh, way that he's approached promoting himself through social media, signposting through Facebook and Twitter was a, was an excellent idea. It shows he understands that environment and that network and he's very comfortable in it there's nothing at all false there what I really liked about it though the key thing was that he talked about what he wanted to talk about and what he felt was important and I think that he sort of um, promoted himself in a very very clear business-like manner without being at all false or untrue to the character that he is which is which is what uh, recruiters want what companies want to hire.
0: Carl, does that sound about right for you that you were trying to sort of integrate your skills oh, and that sort of, of stuff? That would be amazing. <laughs> <laughs> uh,
1: no, I think that's uh, that's exactly what I tried to do, and it's you know it's translated well to you, and I hope uh, employers get that as well. But yeah, thanks. That was a really nice thing to say.
0: Do we think now that we, it's got so tough and we've moved beyond the age of the CV almost that you know it's no longer enough to just have a CV? You have to sort of take measures.
5: Yeah, I mean, I do agree with that. I think, sadly, it's like your car tax. You've got to have one and you've got to conform. If you're going through that uh, traditional process of finding a job, it's a very, very crowded market and corporations are increasing the number of uh, recruitment officers that they're hiring because they're getting swamped in the digital age with a lot of candidates that are doing the opposite of what Carl's done. And they're kind of praying and spraying, they're spamming employers, (laughs) you know, uh, and they're going about it in a really kind of random fashion, because they don't understand that it's about targeting the right individuals and resonating with them. And I think, again, to sort of take it back a step, Carl's understanding of what brands mean and how brands work is, is what's for me was what was the, you know, gave his website the edge. I could under, I could get from it that he understood his own brand potential and what that would mean for a business. Um, so the one recommendation I would give to Carl is to start following people like um, the Dragon's Den gurus and angel investors and to actually go out and target his market a bit more thinkers that you think would appreciate and understand where you're coming from and s- kind of go after them, start following yeah. them.
1: I've tried um, a lot yeah. to get hold of Peter Jones and, uh, <laughs> yes. and Duncan Brown. Heart to track down, yeah. <gasps> yeah uh, I, I pestered him every day for about two weeks before this <laughs> yes. on, a, on a different Twitter account. Uh, sadly, he never got back to me. But Peter, if you're listening, <laughs> have <laughs> well, a look at
5: There's another argument that says actually that what's more important than you in this is your method your way in which you've approached this. So anybody that is interested in PR or marketing or advertising or social media um, or runs an agency, is a key thinker at some something like the Institute of Advertising Bureau, would be interested in, in case studying your story. You might look at trade press as well, like New Media Age or Revolution or Brand Republic, and just try and get in front of those people because they've got really influential readers. I wanted
2: to ask actually about Branding and becoming a brand—we all kind of think of brands as big names. Like, um, I just thought of Kit Kat I don't know why, uh, <laughs> <laughs> but it's it's a big name. What actually is a brand, and how do you make it? How do you make yourself one? How do you know what your brand is?
5: So, so I'll give you—I'll uh, give you a kind of reverse answer to that. The, recently, the German government have legislated that uh, recruiters are not allowed to look at Facebook pages when they're mm-hmm. thinking of hiring yeah, someone they must only look at professional network sites like for example linkedin the reason that they've done that is that a lot of people particularly younger younger people who are in their sort of 20s now have used facebook throughout their childhood their early teens yeah. to find friends promote themselves take pictures of themselves being drunk or whatever it is which of course is absolutely fine they've grown up with facebook And the German government feels it's unfair for recruiters to look at the social side of people and the way in which they have fun and let off steam when they're not at work and make hiring decisions based on that. Now, um, a senior selection executive that I know uh, promoted this in his blog and invited interest uh, from everyone that follows his blog and, and to get the opinion in the UK about this. I was massively in favour of it because I feel it's entirely unfair to punish youth and naivety and individuals rather than businesses when you're looking at hiring people and everybody deserves time off. But 74% of readers and, and that responded in this extremely emotive subject were totally opposed to not being able to Google candidates, to check their Facebook history to check everything that they've done online ever. um, And they feel that that is their right if they're making that hiring decision, if they're investing that money in them, if they're taking them on board. So we are all brands already. Everything that we said and everything that we've done that's been recorded online is out there for a prospective employer or soulmate to find out about us and to explore and interrogate without ever speaking to us. That's the other thing. So we may all consider that a brand is a remote thing that is very, very corporate. It's not now. And if you look at now how people get opinion and what they think about news, they want to be recommended stuff by people that they trust and by people that they know, Mm. which is why we're all brands and it's why we've all got our individual communities where what we say counts for something. Everybody, everybody is using social media to evaluate whether or not the things that people are saying to them are valuable bits of information or not.
0: Okay, for all those people that have got a Facebook profile that they think might be a little dubious and and they get to the stage where they're
5: looking for a job, what can you do to sort of clean up your personal brand online? Well, it's a really good question, this. And and the the one thing that you can't do is um, wipe the slate clean. So anything that has been indexed, it is, is there in the internet somewhere but the thing to remember is that only what people search for comes up in any results so what you could do is um, check and you need to consistently check with any social media networks that you're using your privacy settings so that you start to dictate a bit what is public. The other thing that you could do is, is start commenting on things that are relevant to the sector or the industry that you want to work in. So On that, Facebook? On Facebook and on Twitter and anywhere else, so that actually the relevant search results, which will be the most recent, will be the ones that are listed against you. The other thing that you're trying to do in any sort of um, search environment online is to dominate a page. So if you look at examples, say, of uh, Kentucky Fried Chicken compared to Virgin America, Virgin America completely dominate their page in the natural search results. So they have video content, they have uh, photograph content, they have PDF content, they have uh, text content. Kentucky Fried Chicken have got lots of blogs about animal cruelty and about mice eating chips in restaurants and all the rest of it. So you need to make sure and start creating a bit of content content, you could have a video CV, for example, that a friend could record for you on a handheld video, and you could publish that uh, through a YouTube account or something like that, and then... uh, tag that to your name, you could very quickly start to dominate your own space so that those results are really, really hard to find. And that's a kind of rebranding exercise. And let's face it, all those, you know, pop stars, big brands go through heaps of rebranding. They quite often have to reinvent themselves. And if they can do it, so can the individual.
0: So what else can job seekers learn from the principles of marketing, like brand aside? And, and you know, is it important to pay attention to those techniques, do you think?
5: I think it, I think it's hugely important. And I actually think the generation that's really going to suffer from just not doing this and, and being scared of this and, and not wanting to understand it is the sort of 30-somethings. They really are struggling to do this and are actually the people that need to do it the most because they're in a a space where they've got to career change and where they've got to get competitive and they've got to start being a bit aggressive in terms of where they are seen and how they market themselves.
0: So what sort of positive steps can someone take to improve their brand online, would you say?
5: They do need to Google themselves you know, and have a good look at how they're coming across everywhere. So on Facebook, on Twitter, if they've ever uh, written any articles or been involved in any articles, if they've ever contributed to a blog, if they've ever commented on anything online. And a massive, massive tip, which you can work to your advantage, is if you ever say anything negative about a brand or about something that you've read or about a blog and, and don't use profanities or expletives or anything like that, that will get ranked higher by the search engines than a positive statement. So, if you make a constructive piece of criticism about something, as I did recently about um, something that I read for graduates, which I felt was really wrong, that came up top of my search listings when I googled myself as a tweet. So, it, because
0: how come? What, how does well, that work?
5: Well, what search engines are trying to do is give people true information. So a blog or a tweet is more valuable in terms of news than a corporate piece of news or a piece of journalism or editorially-led content. Uh, not that I completely agree with that, but the search engines will always rank a blog or a tweet or uh, you know a comment on a Facebook page above what is corporate news, what is deemed as corporate news. So it's a good tip that if you want to... Um, criticize something like, I don't know, Virgin America's uh, behavior lately and, and what they've done, if you do that in a nice way, you will be ranked very highly for that on um, Google.
1: One of my uh, very kind followers who's, who's been giving me advice for the <clears> last <throat> uh, week, he posted something on my wall um, with some information on uh, a guy who got a job. By He knew who he wanted to work for and the kind of people he wanted to work for. So he typed in their names and he made it come up. So when these people Googled themselves, they found him saying, employ me. And that was a great way for them to use Google and search engine optimization to get a job. It cost it cost them $6, and I think he got a job in about a week.
2: Um, I, don't,
0: I don't want to make it sound contrived, but Carl, do you sort of take any of that on board? Do you consciously sort of discuss the companies that perhaps you'd like to work for? Do you Google yourself to keep an eye on that sort of thing?
1: Um, I have done, um, and at the minute, it's, it's all very positive. I've uh, been on an pulp and some people are blogging about me and it's mostly, uh, well, it's all good, um, which I like, but um, I do completely agree with what you're saying about branding yourself and, and uh, putting yourself out there and not just following normal routes because everyone can do that. And, you know, you don't stand out to a company that you want to work for. Part of my plan, the next kind of process is to, um, I know the companies I like and respect and I'm going to contact them and say, this is me. I don't know if you've got a position for me but I'd like to work for you and I'd work passionately for you. So that's part of my process is to find companies and brands that I really respect and go after them.
0: And presumably, Carl should join the digital conversation about those organisations on Twitter and that's going to make an impact.
5: Absolutely, yes, to join the conversations and to comment as well. Again, it's, it's the difference between if you're in the hiring process, you'd look for someone who's thinking about how they would do the job, who's not just there to get through that stage. And it's much like, you know, choosing a supplier or something like that. You want the people that have already said, well, if we were going to do this, we would approach it like that. And and they're sort of saying those things very, very early on, because that's that, that shows it's the right attitude. It also shows that they understand your market, they understand the environment, the culture of the organisation, and they're thinking about how best to do their job, which is exactly what you want from a hire.
0: Okay, so what other principles of marketing can job seekers employ? Do you think?
5: I think that no matter how uncomfortable, they have just got to embrace online and they've got to embrace digital and they kind of got to understand that they need to approach it from a Harris point of view and so they need to try and figure out What's going to make the difference, uh, you know, for that hiring person, and how to appear in front of them in the most positive way, and it's even it's down to the detail. It's even thinking about little things like their email address. So if your email address was set up years ago and it's a bit jokey. Um, have a think about that and maybe change one so that it's a bit more corporate, but it's also something that's memorable and is similar to your name or is similar to the position that you're going for. So it's, it's, again, it's about branding. Whichever way they get in touch with you, whichever way they look you up, um, they're they're reminded of who you are and what you're about. And also, if, if it's going to take you uh, six months to create a website to promote yourself and that's not actually your industry, don't do it leverage off other um, advertising platforms that there are out there for people whether it's professional networks or jobs boards where you can promote your links to your twitter account or your public profile and things like that just leverage those because they pay an awful lot to attract recruiters to those websites leverage their advertising and their marketing
0: what about things that you really shouldn't do i'm thinking sort of, you know like maybe be hard sell or buying a prime time tv <coughs> slot or something what Really, what marketing principles should you perhaps avoid? Well I,
5: I think that's really interesting because if you if you look at some of the photographs that people have got displayed on um, professional social media networks, they're really not right for that audience. So uh, I think if you wanted to be, you know, a porn star or maybe, you know, <laughs> maybe you wanted to be, I don't know, a children's presenter or something like that, you might get away with them. So, again, it's just a cautionary note that whatever you put, publish and put out there about yourself does get indexed. So it won't go away again. You can't wipe the slate clean. So you do have to have a really careful think about what you're promoting and what you're publishing. And I think pouting is out in general for <laughs> men and women on their sort of professional profile. So that's that's the first thing to consider, and and just generally be very very careful about how you are promoting yourself across lots of different routes as well to these prospective employers.
0: Are there any sectors where perhaps maybe Carl's approach wouldn't translate very well? I'm sort of thinking would it would it work in the financial sector or banking? Would they be open to that
5: you know i i that's an interesting one because again at a conference I went to a few years ago um it was for a uh, a national trust property that the person had advertised for an f d and the um he got a response. ...from a person who'd put together a PowerPoint presentation... ...on exactly how he could make that estate more financially viable... ...who did work in the city um, but lived locally to the estate... ...and wanted to move out of central London and work there. And he turned up and he offered to present the PowerPoint presentation... ...to the hiring manager the day after it was advertised in a national newspaper... And the hiring manager was so impressed by that, that he hired that person immediately after he'd seen the presentation from him. So again, I think that if you know your audience, so you know your target audience, and you approach them in a corporately acceptable way uh, that shows that you understand their market and you can add value, uh, save money, whatever it is that they need from you, they're going to be receptive to that. It shows initiative.
0: I've got to ask you what you think of something I found on the internet. There's a book called Guerrilla Marketing for Job Hunters 2.0 by um, Jay Conrad Levinson, David Perry, and there's lots of advice on a website called Guerrilla Job Hunting. And um, there's lots of advice on there, sort of similar to what you've been saying, sort of sell yourself, know your target market. But there was also this one as well. So tell me what you think. It says, stop sending resumes. Send resume lingerie instead your goal is a phone call from the hiring manager hit their hot buttons on one page and you can make the phone ring um I mean I found it quite quite creepy but presumably they don't mean sending actual pants do they mean (laughs) do they mean sort of sexing up the document what do you think
5: yeah I, I think what they're trying to say is that you've got it's a very noisy crowded marketplace and you've got to create standout with the people that are going to be trawling through it it, it, the average time to make a decision on a resume or a cv is six seconds wow so they will they will deselect you faster than they would ever ever select you in so what they are saying is grab their attention straight away and you've got to do that in that first six seconds that's your window So give them something compelling in those first six seconds. Now, I I, I really dislike the use of the word sexy and laundry and desire and all the rest. of it. But what they are saying is make yourself a desirable hire and do that quickly. So it's synonymous with an elevator pitch. You bump into Richard Branson in the lift. You've got a minute to pitch yourself to him. Go. That kind of thing. But your profile must say why you would add value to any organisation and why you're a better hire than the next CV that they're going to read. And you need to be able to do that in around six seconds. So first opening sentence needs to do that for them.
0: Carl, you're not going to be sending anyone any pants in the post, are you?
1: No. Uh, I'm also trying to avoid the hiring managers and going straight to the top. Because uh, the way I view it is hiring managers, uh, they've been given a job and a role and they perform to strict guidelines not necessarily completely strict but they do have guidelines that they have to perform to and I don't think the way I'm doing it is very normal and these guys you know it's it's a risk and a lot of people don't want to take risk in their work so I have to I feel I have to go to the the top almost and try and reach the directors or the owners or the entrepreneurs and get my word across.
0: Okay to round up should we have some top tips marketing for job seekers? Sophie do you want to start?
5: Yeah, be be harsh. Look at yourself as if you were somebody that was thinking of hiring you, and check how you are appearing online.
0: Kyle, have you got a tip that you've learned through your campaign that you might share with other graduates in your I, shoes?
1: Just speak to strangers, get your word out there. You know, say hello. You've got nothing to lose. Um, you can always apply for jobs the normal way, but why do that when there's you know extraordinary ways? You'll meet extraordinary people. So talk to strangers.
0: Thanks very much. Thanks again to Sophie Ralph. And should you want to use those marketing tips to actually work in marketing, we've got an appropriately themed jobs chart now. Making his debut in the pod, we have James McFadden from Guardian Jobs joining Ali to reveal the top
3: 10. In at 10, the Hurlingham Club is looking for a communications and marketing manager.
1: Shell are wanting a global brand manager at nine.
3: And at eight, it's an insight manager for three.
1: Coming in at number seven is Corporate Relationships Manager for Radar London.
3: While at six, Cancer Research UK are looking for an internal communications executive.
1: Cruising into the halfway zone, it's Head of Events for the Royal Yacht Britannia in at five.
3: At four, it's a marketing executive for Hatchet UK.
1: At three, it's a development executive for the International Rescue Committee.
3: But it needed some direct marketing at two, it's a senior press officer for the British Retail Consortium.
1: Drumroll, please, for this week's Rainmaker (laughs) at One, it's the Head of Digital and Social Media at Sky.
3: Before we go, here's what we've got coming up on the site next week. Okay, on Monday we have How to Get a Pupillage, Thursday the 23rd, What Can You Do with a Degree in Philosophy? And on Friday the 24th we'll be asking Pay and Prospects, The Big Issues for Women in Finance?
0: All that's left to say is thanks very much to our guests Sophie Ralph and James McFadden from Guardian Jobs, our innovative job seeker Carl Clark, who you should all go and check out his website. What's your website, Carl?
1: Uh, EmployKyle.com, and you've got until about the 18th of October to get your bids in.
0: So get bidding, everybody. <laughs> thanks also to Harriet Minter and Ali White. Careers Talk was produced by Kate Taylor. I'm Kerry Eustace, and until next week, goodbye.